Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. You know, how many were blessed by Jada's testimony? Amen. What a powerful, if you weren't blessed by that, you need to check your pulse. Something's wrong. We've known Jada since she was six or seven years old. And she started over at our first church, way over in the old building, and uh, with other family members. And then she got into teenage years and was going to youth for a little bit. And then we just lost her, and she just disappeared. And the Holy Spirit allowed me to see her at that racetrack gas station, amen, and talk to her. And then look what God did from there, amen. Put her in Laura's life, in our church's life. And now today, because of the gospel, because of a church that has a heart for the lost, She's here, and she's sober, and God's doing powerful things in her life. Amen? How many know that's what the gospel's about? Amen? When you go to leave, we've got some stickers out there. We've been giving stickers away every first Sunday of the month for a few months, and maybe you're collecting them to put them on your notebooks. This one says what I told you a second second ago, and this is an amazing lead-in. I love how the Holy Spirit does this, because when they sent these stickers, they didn't know what I was going to preach today. It says, God doesn't call the qualified... What does God do? Does anybody know how that finishes? God qualifies the called. Okay, let me say that again. God doesn't call you when you're ready. He calls you and makes you ready. Amen? So please, as you leave, going out the Welcome Center over here today, grab a sticker if you'd like them, put it on your notebooks or whatever, and and please receive that from us. I want to talk this morning about how important this gospel message is. This, this event today, this church building, Denton, Texas, the work that's going on here, the work that's going on in Tanzania, the work that's going on in Costa Rica, those, the work that's going on in Bowie, Texas today, those specific works have to do with a seed of offering that was planted 30 years ago. I want you to, I want you to marinate on this for a second because we don't understand a lot of times, and I've seen this happen, and one of the things I'm the most thankful for is that God has allowed me by His grace to stay in the gospel long enough to see fruit. Because a lot of people don't finish. A lot of people shoot out and they sprint and they don't finish the race and they get tired and they're gone and then they backslide or they go back to their old ways or or they just quit God or whatever and they don't ever get to see the fruit because how many know trees don't grow overnight? Anything worthwhile takes work, takes time. And I've been blessed to see after all these years that when you stay in it long enough, you begin to see the fruit of your labors come to pass. And here we are 30 years later because of a seed that was sown on a mission Sunday in Tucson, Arizona in 1992. 30 years ago. I was sitting in a a service, just recently saved. Many of you know my testimony. I got saved in a revival on a Tuesday night, and I was sitting there a few months later saying, God... What do you want me to do? And, you know, I'll do anything for you. I had given up my dreams to play basketball, and I was willing and ready to go, and, and, and I was sitting in a service just like you, listening to somebody preach. And the one who was preaching that day was the pastor's son, and he was telling the people, I want to go to Costa Rica, and I want to learn Spanish. And I was doing what you do right now. Good job, buddy. You go. You go to Costa Rica, and you learn Spanish, and you change the world for Jesus. 
I was doing what we do a lot of times, sitting there where you're sitting. But church, it is not God's will for you to sit there and cheer me on. It's not God's will for you to sit there and cheer anybody else on. It's God's will for you to get in the game and to go do something for Jesus Christ and to make a difference in this world. How many believe that this morning? And I'm talking to all of you, not just some of you. And you just be, you just be careful because God will get you. Because I was sitting there just listening and cheering them on, and it just so happened by coincidence, how many know nothing happens by coincidence in the things of God, that on that Sunday morning, my aunt and uncle, who were very well off and had been very prospered in their business, happened to be in Tucson, Arizona, 1,000 miles away from where they lived at Rector Road, two miles from here. If you ever driven towards Sanger, you see... The next exit is Milam Road. You go over that little hill, and then it's Rector Road. My aunt and uncle just happened to be in Tucson, Arizona, on the Sunday morning when the pastor's son was preaching about going to Costa Rica. And they came up to me after church, and they said, We think and we feel by the Holy Spirit that God wants you to go to Costa Rica too. And I had been saved long enough that I knew enough Christianese to say this, I'll pray about it. I told him, I'll pray about it, aunt and uncle. But you know what? I had this much intention of praying about it. Zero. Just like some of you right now. You have no intention, really, of doing anything extraordinary for God. You just want to live for Him and serve, for, serve Him. But I got news for you. God wants to use you. God wants to take your life, and He wants to affect somebody like Jada. He wants to affect somebody like Nicholas and Lizbeth over here, amen, that got baptized last week, amen. He wants to affect somebody like Daniela's life that got baptized last week. He wants to affect someone's life like yours, like your life. He wants to use you, but you got to be willing, amen. Within two hours, I knew. I said, I'll, I'll go. A few weeks later, I was on a plane into a country I'd never been in before and met my wife, learned Spanish, and the rest is history, but because of that seed that they sowed here we are today they wrote out a check for four thousand dollars 30 years ago i don't know what that would be today they said we'll play for your plane we'll play for your pay for your hotel your uh, your your room and board your food your school and everything and that's where i met costa uh, met carla learned spanish and then eventually many years later got in touch with this fellowship in 19 in, in the year 1999 i believe 2000 and all this stuff that we're doing, I want you to think about that. Anything that I've ever done for the Lord that has affected anybody else comes from one offering in Tucson, Arizona in 1992. But how many know there was a lot of people that gave an offering that day that don't know me? Don't know what I've done. Don't know anything. But my aunt, my aunt and uncle know. Because I told them for the last 30 years until, and then a few years ago, my uncle passed away. And they've always had a very special part in my life. And I've always, my wife knows, I've always honored them and lifted them up with high esteem. Because I know that everything that they gave is still giving. How many know they made a good investment? That $4,000 has turned into millions of dollars in the kingdom of God. So don't ever think when you give $50 or $100 or $10 or whatever you give for missions, don't think it's not doing anything because it's affecting someone's life around the world. Amen? So I want to preach this morning the gospel to the whole world, one soul at a time. This is, this is how we're going to reach the world. We do outreaches all the time. We're an outreach church. Every church should be. Amen? 
We do spring fests and harvest fests. We do movies. We do concerts. We do uh, revivals. We go to the, to the street on Thursdays and preach. We do breakaway. We do all kinds of things to reach the lost. But the truth is, church, as much as we want to see 100 people get saved at one time, and we've seen that, what really builds the church is one-on-one evangelism. One-on-one evangelism. You saying, I'm going to go out and multiply myself. There are other people like me that need to hear the gospel. Someone told me about the gospel. I need to go tell somebody else about the gospel. That's what, and, and listen, this is crazy, but this is foreign to a lot of churches. That thought is somehow foreign to churches, that, and somehow we think, well, the missionaries are going to go do that, or the evangelists are going to go do that, or, or that soul-winning, I've heard people say, we've got a, a if, if they have one, we've got a soul-winning team. Well, how about a soul-winning church? We've got an outreach team. How about an outreach church? How about everybody in the church saying, I could reach somebody for Jesus? I, how, just do this with me real quick. Just put your hand out. How many can do that? That's all you got to do. Grab a track, grab a Jesus card, and hand it to somebody. You don't even have to say anything. If you can't say Jesus loves you or God bless you, just hand it to them. Amen? Here's the gospel summed up by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If it's not evident, by the way, this is all about Jesus. I don't know if you haven't figured that out yet by the songs, made by the sign out on the freeway. It's about, tell the person next to you, it's about Jesus. Matthew 28, Jesus says this, verse 18 to 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them and said, and we talked about this last week, all authority has been given to me. So this is why we preach Jesus, why we talk about Jesus so much, because he has all the authority. God has given Jesus the authority. So the verse says here, all authority has been given to me. And to in heaven and on earth how many live on earth today he says this go go therefore and make disciples if you look over at this right wall over here you're going to see reach teach and sin that isn't just something to to be in a, a pretty picture on the wall that's our vision that is the vision of the bible that's what every church should have as a vision is to reach people then teach the reach the people that are reached and then send out others to reach others So he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all the things, say all things. This is what a church is supposed to do, observe all things. Lots of churches today don't observe all things. I'm just being honest. They observe what fits their agenda. They observe what fits their agenda. Their area where their church is. Oh, it got quiet in here. Hello. Yeah, I can't let the nine o'clock beat you. Come on, there it's early. But he says, All the things, observe all the things I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Father, anoint your word this morning. I pray you open up our our ears and our hearts and our minds, because God, I know this is a word that will transform this church. It will take us to another level. It will take us to the place you want us to go. Lord, your gospel is being preached around the world, and we want to be the people preaching it. Lord, we bind every spirit of the enemy that's working against your word and working against lives this morning. And, Father, I pray that no one would leave this place the way they came in. In Jesus' name. And we said, 
Amen. Here's what Romans 5, 8 says. To make it simple, what's the gospel? The gospel is good news. That's what the gospel means. It means teaching the commandments of Jesus, and it means good news. Here's what Jesus it did for us. God demonstrates His own love towards us. Now, God did not demonstrate His love by words. God demonstrated His love by action. And He said, how, here's how He did it. That while we were still sinners, and, and you're going to see that this is where this message is going. While we were still, do I have any sinners in this place? Can I, can I just see if we have any sinners in this place? If you're not raising your hand, you need to raise it twice then. Because you just lied and didn't say you were a sinner. Amen. We're all sinners. Oh, but we're saints now. We're, we're all sinners we sin every day. We make mistakes every day. We fall short every day. And it says He died for us while we were sinners. Is anybody thankful for that? That means He did not expect us to come in and say, hey, hey get, your, get your clothes clean and get off them drugs and, and start living your life right and start talking right and start thinking right. And then when you get it all together, you come to church and I'll save you. How many are thankful that's not what Jesus did? Jesus said, I'm going to die for you on credit. I'm going to die for you even if you don't believe in me. I'm going to die for you even if you spit on my face like they did. I'm going to die for you in your worst state, in your lowest place, and as a sinner, I'm going to demonstrate my love for you. And he says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And another version says, for the ungodly. That's the gospel message. If you're taking notes and you want to be a soul winner, because I don't have this in my notes, it's not going to be on the screen, but if you're memorizing Scripture, I'm going to give you an easy one that's going to take you a long ways. Let me just ask this question, and I think it's kind of a dumb question, but I do want to know the answer. How many want to be successful? And I'm not talking about in the world. I'm talking about in the kingdom of God. Because if you're successful in the kingdom of God, you'll be successful in the world. Here's a short verse you can memorize in Proverbs 11, verse 30. He who wins souls is wise. He who wins souls is wise. That tells me that not everybody wins souls. That tells me that not everybody thinks about other people's salvation. And we need to do that. We need to understand that everything we do every single day is affecting somebody one way or the other. We're either making people want to be like Jesus and be, like, be saved, or we're making people want to run away from Jesus. I mean, no, that's not the job of the church. I got a cool story this week of just a perfect picture of the gospel and how when we do something, and this, is, this doesn't mean that what you did didn't matter this week. This is something that came back to me, and I thought it was cool. We have a guy named Greg and his wife. Um, I'm bad with names, but I know her name. It's just not coming to me right now. Jennifer, thank you, love. And they come with Jason and Myra, and they're the ones that drive all the way from Oklahoma City every, single morning, every Sunday morning to come to church. Five hours round trip. So next time you think you drive a long ways, just think of Jason and Myra. Amen? And they, they, he sent me a text on, I think, Thursday, and he said, this is so cool, Pastor. I, I picked up a hitchhiker today. I see some of y'all's faces like, a hitchhiker? What's cool about that? He picked up a hitchhiker, and he said, I was playing some worship music and driving down the road and just talking to him. 
And he said, man, this is crazy. And he started, he said, I started telling him where I go to church and stuff. And he said, this is crazy. And he pulled out a Jesus card that had Nestor's name on it, Nestor's email. And Nestor had picked him up earlier that day here in Denton. And so he got a ride from Nestor, and then he got a ride from Greg, and I don't know where he's going to end up, but that's the gospel right there, that to travel two and a half hours on a Jesus card. Because we're not too busy to pick up a hitchhiker, or we're not too busy. And, and listen, when I said that right there, if you're already like, oh, I'm in the wrong church, then yes, you are. Yeah, I'll just help you out. You're in the wrong church. Because we're here to reach the lost. Amen. We're, we're here to, to reach the dirty, the messed up. And you know what? Sometimes the messed up aren't dirty. They don't look dirty on the outside, but they're dirty on the inside. How many know some of the most messed up people look good on the outside? Matthew chapter 4, watch this, verse 18. Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee, and he sees two brothers. Simon called Peter and Andrew and his brother casting a net into the sea because they were what? Fishermen. And then he said, follow me, and I will make you what? Now, I, I want you to think about this. I mentioned this a couple services ago, church. He did not change who they were. He changed what they were doing. You know, let me explain this to you. I, I see this a lot of times in, in Christians. We, uh, here's an example. I know that we've got a lot of fighters in this church. People who have been in fights. People who, who, who used to do the laying on of hands before they knew that that was in the Bible. Amen. You, you knew what that meant, you know? But it wasn't in the name of Jesus. It was... And we got some fighters in. It made me think of Brenda in the first service. You know, Brenda came into our church. You see a little quiet, not quiet, not quite, uh, sophisticated, pretty Brenda there. And you never know she came into the church because she recognized the building that used to be a club that she went into one night to knock a girl out. So God didn't change the fight that's in Brenda. God changed who she fought against. See what I'm saying? She's still a fighter. But now she's learning how to fight against the devil. Some of you get saved. Or maybe some of the people get saved. And, they, and, they, and they're fighters. They come from the streets. They come from, you'll, you'll, you'll throw your shirt off and fight anybody, anywhere, anytime. You'll, you'll get into whatever it takes. And then you get saved and you turn into a sissy. You don't have no boldness no more, no fight no more. He didn't take these fishermen and their ruddy, rugged way they lived their life and change them. He said, I'll make you now fisher of men. And he says, they immediately, they didn't do what I did. They didn't say, Lord, I'm going to go pray about it. They immediately left their nets and followed Jesus. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And what happened? Immediately, they left their boat and, the, and, and followed, and their father, and followed him. Church, Jesus is calling you this morning to follow him. Not just to come to church and show up and be part of a, of a social club and feel better about yourself. You're here to make a difference. You're here to affect people's lives. How many want to affect people's lives? The gospel changes people and transforms people. And I don't know about you, but I can't do anything but cry and weep when I hear a story like Jada. 
that according to the devil's plan shouldn't be here this morning. She should be in, in hell already. She should be buried already. But she's not because of the grace of God. How many know that you're here this morning because of the grace of God? Nothing else. Tell the person next to you, it's about to get really good. This is a message that doesn't get preached in a lot of churches. But it's been preached here for years and we're going to keep on preaching it because it's all the gospel. I think of someone like Santos. Back in the back, one of our ushers. Who when he came into this church, and I'm not saying anything he hasn't said. He came into this church and he was looking for God. He has a call of God on his life. God, he wants to use him. But he came into this church with an alcohol problem. Just like Jada came in with a drug problem. And just like you came in with a pride problem. And just, oh, did I say that? And just like you came in with whatever problem you came in with. How many know we came in with some problems? Some of us have multiple symptoms. Multiple problems. And he came into this church and he was looking for somebody to tell him drinking was wrong. And he would go to churches all over here in Colorado and he would want to serve God and he want to do something for God and he'd get around godly people. And those godly people, when they'd go to an event or go to a house, would be drinking. He never would find somebody who would tell him, that's not the will of God for your life. And so instead of somebody helping him, he would find people who would enable him to drink more. And so for a while in this church, as he wanted to serve God, he was an alcoholic still, working every day, and almost lost his family. Almost lost his marriage, beautiful family that he has. But somebody say with me, but God. The gospel stepped in. And the truth was preached. Amen? And God set him free. And just this last week, I was thinking last Sunday to this Sunday. Last Sunday he served in both services. He's also a very successful master plumber. Has a great job. Makes good money. He's very successful. But last Sunday he served in both services. Wednesday he was at church serving. Thursday night he was on the street downtown preaching. Friday morning he was at discipleship at 5.30 a.m. And last night he preached to the youth on Saturday night. Look what God can do. Come on, that was a golf clap. Look what God can do. Amen. I actually said it's going to get good a little early because that was good, but it's even going to get gooder. Use that Texas English. Tell them it's going to get gooder right now. You that are online, say it's going to get gooder. Galatians chapter 3. This is an area of the scriptures that a lot of people and churches want to cross over. They don't want to read this part. They like to do what I call trail mix the Bible. By the way, where's your Bibles? Let me see your Bibles this morning. You got your Bibles? Amen. Galatians chapter 3. Watch this. For you all, and I'm going to give you some doctrinal teaching, some theology, very important theology. How many have ever met somebody and they told you and you were witnessing to them, I hope, and you were telling them about God and they said, well, no matter what religion they were from or what belief they were from, they said, we're all children of God. How many have ever heard someone say that? How, what, what is it, the X on Family Feud? Uh, we are not all children of God, according to the Scriptures. We are all creation of God. But watch what this says. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. So what makes me a child of God is my faith in Jesus. Why do I believe that? Because God Himself, the Father 
said, if you want to come to me, you must come through my son. No one will get to heaven and come to me unless it's through my father, it's through my son, Jesus. Am I preaching right? No one comes unto the father unless it's through the son. And so this says you are all sons of God. Why? Because of our faith in Jesus Christ. For now, watch this. As many of you as were baptized into Christ, you have what we all need to do, put on Christ. Are we putting on Christ in our lives? Here's a picture that's sad today of a lot of churches. A lot of Christians put on Jesus on Sunday. Even some radio stations put on Jesus on Sunday. Did you know that there's secular radio stations that play garbage all week, but on Sunday they put on Jesus? Why is it quiet in here? I feel like I'm preaching to a church that don't know the truth. Am I preaching right? You don't put on Jesus on Sunday. You put on Jesus on Monday. You put on Jesus on Tuesday. You put on Jesus on Thursday, on Saturday night. Come on, where are my ex-clubbers at? Come on, where do people used to be in the club on Saturday night? And then still go to church on Sunday because you didn't have someone preaching the truth to you maybe. Put on Jesus. There is, watch this, neither Jew nor Greek, slave or free, male or female. And by the way, don't take that wrong. Don't take that out of context. Well, I can be what I want today. I feel like I'm of this, I'm of that. And that's not what it's talking about. You are all one, do this up for a second, in Christ Jesus. What he is saying is we are all lost and we all need Jesus. That's what this is saying. Everybody in the world, listen, regardless of your social status, where you were born, the color of your skin, the country you're from, or anything of those, those things do not matter. Jesus is saying you're all lost, you're all bound for hell, but there's a salvation in Jesus, and if you believe in Jesus, you can all be saved. That's the gospel. That's what he's saying here. Are you reading what I'm reading? They're saying it doesn't matter if you're this or that or the other, what society or whoever has said, I died for you. I died for you. And then it says in verse 29, and if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed. This is one of the biggest things that everybody's arguing about today. Where we come from and, and who's this and who's that. I come from the, the seed of Abraham. From the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Amen? And we are heirs according to the promise. You know, think about this. If you, if you are a thief, if you steal something, let me, let me just talk to the youth for a second. Maybe you've ever stole a piece of gum or stole a pen or whatever. Stole anything. If you steal something kind of small like that, what are you? What are, the, what are you called if you steal something like a piece of gum or a thief? Okay, now over here on this side, what happens if you steal a car? You're a thief. Well, here in the middle, what if you, online, what if you steal a phone? What if you steal anything that's not yours? You're a thief. So whether you steal a piece of bubble gum or you steal a car, you're a thief. That's what God is trying to get us to understand. You might be not as bad a sinner as the person next to you, or you might think you're not as bad a sinner, or whatever that is, but you're a sinner. And sinners need saviors. 
And that's why Jesus came to die for the ungodly. Now think about this as an example. Let's say we're going to go after church today. Whether you like it or not, just play along. Act like you like it. Then we're going to go to Six Flags. Okay, some of you'd go for the ride. Some of you'd go for the food. Some of you'd just go because we made you. But we're going to go, okay? And we all get to the amusement park. And, and how many know when you go to a place to pay for something... If you're a senior citizen, you get a certain price. If you're a, a veteran, you get a, at least you should get a certain price. If you're a first responder, you get a first pri- first pri- certain price. If you're a youth, you get a certain price. Price. If you're a kid, you get a certain price. Which, if you have young kids, it's called free. <laughs> Amen. That's the best one. How many like it when you remember when your kids were under ten? I loved it when we were under ten. So we'd go eat and not to pay for the kids. Okay, but. At this particular day, we're going to the park on Sunday today, and when we get to the amusement park, everybody starts going up there. The old person in the church goes up there and, and wants to pay, and, and, and the person says, well, here's the price. And she says, well, son, I, I'm 90 years old, and I've lived through World War II, and I've done all these things, and I got, I got dentures, and I've, man, I've got all these problems. You would charge me that? And he says, yeah, everybody's the same price today. Then the veteran walks up there and says, man, I served in Iraq and I served in Afghanistan and I did all these things for the war and you going to charge me? This? He says, yep. And then the teenager gets up there and says, well, I'm, I'm going to be on my phone all day long, but how are you going to charge me this, man? This, you going to charge me this price today? Some of y'all missed that. <laughs> and the guy says, listen, I know you're a, a senior citizen. I know you're a veteran. I know that you're a young child. I know you're a teenager, but everybody's the same price today. Everybody gets in for the same price. That, that's what God is trying to say here. Because we try too much to say, well, this person deserves to go to heaven, and this person doesn't go, deserve to go to heaven, and this person's sins are too great, and this person's not. And that's what we do, whether you know it or not, as people. We do that. We, we try to play God. And God is saying, I, if, I want, if you want to be successful soul winners, and you want to win the world and be wise, like Proverbs 11.30 says, you need to start looking at every single human being like what they are, which is a human being that is lost, without Jesus and needs a Savior. How many know if we started looking at every single human being the same way, God could do some amazing things. Doesn't matter, listen, how you come into the church. God will take you how you are. What we do a lot of times is even when we're witnessing to somebody, we'll try to tell them, well, if you'll do this or if you'll do that or if you'll stop doing this or you'll stop doing that. How many know you cannot clean a fish until you catch it? We got we to gotta go catch the fish, and then we got to let God clean them. We got to go out and cast the net and tell people, Jesus loves you. Jesus died for your sins. Jesus is on the throne. Jesus has a plan for your life. And they say, would you come to my church? I want to invite you to my church. Pray from there. If you can just get them here, they can come in, and they can look around. That's why we did this on the video today. And they can say, wow, there's somebody that looks like me. Wow, there's somebody that looks like they've been through what I've been through. Wow, there's somebody that I can relate to. And then they'll feel a little comfortable in here. And then the music starts, and it's not because we have great musicians and great songs it's because the presence of the living God is here and they begin to sing and God's presence begins to fall and they begin to say I think I can, I can belong here no matter who they are no matter how they came in no matter what their lifestyle is no matter how big or small their sin is they say I, can, I think I might have a chance here and God begins to work 
And as time goes on, we get into the teach part, which we're going to get to here in just a second. Watch this. Colossians chapter 3. Here's where we start getting into the teach part. We start learning what the Bible says about us. We try too many times. We're not effective witnesses because we try to, we try to teach them doctrine and the 14 fundamentals of faith and all these different things before they ever even get to church. Just get them here. Just get them here. And then, until you learn. Once you learn, then you, can, you don't even have to get them here. Just lead them to the Lord where they're at. Say the sinner's prayer at work. Because they might not get to church. But until you get there, bring them here and we'll teach them. He says, now you yourselves are to put off. So we put Jesus on. What do we put off? Anger. Wrath. Malice. Blasphemy. Leave this verse up for a second, please. Filthy language out of your mouth. Church, we can't say, oh man, you, you cuss too much. You can't come to our church. When they're just trying to learn how to, how to serve God, how to live for God. Or, hey man, you smell like smoke. Oh, are you drunk? Hello? You know who the biggest soul winning killers are? Christians. Because we're trying to judge people and fix people and save people, and that's Jesus' job. We're supposed to love people and tell them about Jesus, and then the Holy Spirit will do the work, and He'll show them what they need to do to line up their lives with the Word of God. Amen. With the Word of God. Myra, can I use your testimony real quick? Wave at everybody over there. I didn't have any plans or intentions. You see all those tattoos all over Myra's arms? When she came into this church, she was a tattoo artist. That's what she did for a living. And, and she came in and got saved. And I remember there was a message a few months later, a few weeks later, that God put on my heart to preach. It wasn't just tattoos. It was tattoos, piercings. All. I try to answer questions. People have questions. Should Christians do this? And should Christians do that? So I preached a message. And by the way, it's online. You can get it if you want to hear it. Now I remember coming that day and, and thinking, man, I hope Myra's not here. Because I don't want her. I, she's a new convert. I don't want her to take this the wrong way. I don't want her to think that she's not welcome here. As I started talking about tattoos, and there's a whole bunch of stuff there. It's a whole different message. Go listen to it. So I preached that message, and she wasn't here. I was thankful. I was thankful that, and, but at the same time, I was kind of like, man, I wish you, man, I wish you would have heard it. It's was kind of torn, but I still preached it. And a few weeks later, we're standing right over there, and she says, Pastor, i got to tell you a testimony. She says, and I never said anything to her about it, and she hadn't heard the message. She says, I was just reading in the Old Testament. And she says, I was reading the Bible, and the Bible said I shouldn't mark myself. And when I, when I read that, God said, you don't need to do that anymore. And God showed her that she didn't need to do that anymore. See how God can do so much of a better, and, and she stopped doing that. She's not a tattooed artist anymore, and she has struggled to, to work jobs and do it right. But God, how many know God's going to bring her through? Because she's making a godly decision to do what God told her to do. Amen? It's not always going to be easy when God, when God starts cleaning you up. Because if you were a drug dealer, we've had some people in our church that were drug dealers. And you make good money when you're a drug dealer. And then you get into church and God, not us, starts telling you, hey, you know, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And if you were a fisher of men, you could still fish. But if you're a drug dealer, you can't deal drugs no more. You've got to stop dealing drugs. 
And so God's got to give you a new profession, and it's, it's a struggle sometimes because the money that you made in a day takes you a week or a month to make now. But how many want to live right? Are y'all here? What am I trying to tell you? I'm trying to tell you the Holy Spirit does a better job of discipling us and teaching us and cleaning us up than we can do. And we need to do what the Holy Spirit tells us to do. He'll work on your life and he'll say, that's not fitting for you anymore. And, and what I'm really trying to teach you this morning is, as you see this, it says, let's go on to the next verse. Verse 9, do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. You know what, you, you know what you're doing if you're here and you've been saved 30 years like me or you've been saved 20 years or you've been saved 20 days? You know what you're doing? You're every day putting Christ on and you're every day putting off your old deeds. Every day, you're just putting off the old deeds. That old man or woman wants to rise up. That old man or woman wants to come alive again, and you have to bury him every day. Paul says, I die daily. I beat my, my flesh into subjection. I mean, it doesn't mean always, totally, 100%, although it can, that that alcohol desire or that drug desire or that lust desire or whatever it is totally goes away. But you say, that's not who I am anymore. That's the person I used to be. And I'm putting those old things off so that I can make a difference in somebody else's life so they can know Jesus. I'm putting those things off. Don't lie to one another. And he says, and watch this, 10, having put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Here we go again. Watch this. Watch this, verse 11. This is the meat of the message right here. Where there is neither. So this is Colossians, right? That means he's talking to the Colossians church. Where did we read from earlier? That means he was talking to the Galatians church. That was two different p places. He's reiterating the, whole, the same thing. And, he's, and basically, church, he is saying exactly what Jesus did. Have you watched Jesus' life? Have you seen how he ministered? And who he ministered to? Let me, let me just do this a little different than I did uh, this morning. Leave that verse up if you don't mind. Or actually, I'll come back to it. Just take it down for a second. Here, here's the kind of people Jesus ministered to in the Bible. Children. I mean, no, children are important. My wife and I, that's the first thing we ever did, was minister to kids. If anybody ever thinks that I got into the gospel for money, just go back and look at what we used to do. You don't get no money from kids. And you especially don't get money from kids in the hood. And I'm talking hood in Costa Rica. Dirt floors. So not about money. It's about reaching people. And Jesus said, let the children come unto me. For such is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, he was saying, don't let the children be put aside. They're important. Then he says, the Bible tells us that he would eat, he would eat with, tax, with a tax collector. He would minister to a tax collector. If I started to ask you this morning, you know, who, who's the person you think is the worst Who's the scum of the earth for you? You might have a, a group or a people or, or a, a person that comes to your mind, although that shouldn't be the case now that you're saved. But I might, if on a bad carnal day, think bad about the IRS. Can anybody else feel that way sometimes? I hope nobody works for the IRS here. Or if you do, I would like to talk to you. Amen. Maybe we can make a deal. 
He ate with the tax collector who was looked down on. That's the person he was with. He, he touched a bleeding woman that the Bible would call unclean. He went and spoke to a demon-possessed man many times, but this one in particular, he said, what's your name? And the demon said, Legion. And Legion means 2,000. That man had 2,000 demons. Jesus went and ministered to him. Jesus ministered to that woman at the well who was a Samaritan. Why am I saying all this, church? Because this is Jesus showing us that if we're going to be a successful church and build the kingdom of God, we have to look at that world as just simply people who need salvation and need Jesus. Not the color of their skin, not the where they come from, not what they do, not what they've done. They need Jesus. Period. Amen? Period. Now, let's go back to this verse, and I'm going to end here. I'm going to hit this a little hard right here. Verse 11. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, says it again, circumcised or uncircumcised, that's hitting the religious folks. Was he baptized? Have you been baptized? Was he baptized when he died? Was the thief on the cross baptized? They try to put the religious stuff on them. Well, I wonder if they're in heaven. Did they, did they do the last rites? That's not even biblical. Did they get baptized? Did they pay their tithes? I mean, they'll, they'll go all, I wonder if they're in heaven. My question is, did they believe on Jesus or not? That's what's going to get you into heaven. Did you believe in Jesus or not? That's what matters. But you got these religious folks, and I just wanna, want you to notice, church, that when Jesus went to call his workers that changed the world, 12 men, 12 men changed the whole world. We are super far away from Jerusalem today. We're as far from the, in the earth as you can get from Jerusalem, yet we're preaching the gospel because 12 men changed the world. Because they did not care about what your religious background was or what the color of your skin was or what church you went to or what, who your mama was or who your daddy was or who your cousin was. They just wanted to know, do you know Jesus or not? And they preached Jesus with signs and wonders and love and God set them free and saved them. And today the gospel is all the way over here in the United States because of 12 men preaching truth that we're trying to preach in this place this morning. Amen? So he says, uncircumcised. Now here's what we really want to hit. Barbarian. Barbarian. Does anybody know what a barbarian is? Wild, untamed, barbaric, as a result of vicious, cruel actions. Does anybody know a barbarian in here? Do not do that. Does anybody know what, a, what that next word is? A skivian is. I almost put the message, the gospel to the whole world, even the skivians. Maybe you're a skivian in this place this morning. Let me tell you what a skivian is. I studied this out a little bit. P- these people like to drink, for one. So you're like, okay, maybe I'm a skivian. But they, they were a little more wild than the drinkers. They, they liked to drink their alcohol with blood. So they would take the alcohol, put some blood in it. Real typical Bloody Mary. Amen. I'm not a drinker, by the way. That just never had a Bloody Mary, but it fit. 
and they like to smoke weed. That's, that's what this, they like to smoke, the one, the vapor, you know. In Costa Rica, we would reach out to a lot of the Jamaican-influenced Costa Ricans because Jamaica was across the water, and they would come over, and they would uh, migrate for hundreds of years, and, and there was a lot of the Caribbean influence of Jamaica and the Jamaican music and the Jamaican uh, influence over there and everything. And what I'm saying this for is, here's, here's the thing I want you to think about. Culture is beautiful. Culture is beautiful. Seeing the different foods, and I don't know about you, but if I look at this world and, and everybody ate the same food and everybody listened to the same style of music and all of our skin was the same color, this world would be boring to me. I think our world's beautiful. And I think it's not an accident. It's exactly how God made it. Amen? So as you think about this, I, I had this friend in Costa Rica that was a teammate of mine in basketball, and I started witnessing to him, and he liked to smoke the weed. And I started witnessing to him and telling him about Jesus, and, and he slowly started realizing that he, he couldn't do that anymore. He shouldn't do that anymore. He shouldn't have that influence of you know, marijuana in his life. But the, but the people in this, these Scythians, they like to smoke some weed. And then it says... They would scalp their victims and scalp, use the scalp as a napkin. And then, at times, they would flay the entire skin of a person and display it. So they just have a person's body skin hanging at their house. And if you walk over to that house, that'd be weird. And then it says the Scythians would also take up the top of the skull, decorate it, and use it as a bowl. They were weird. Why is this in the Bible? with slave or free, Jew or Greek, circumcised or uncircumcised. Because Jesus is saying, at that time, that was the worst of the worst. The barbarian, the Scythian. When they said Scythian, they, they knew what that meant. Today, in your, watch this, stay with me. In your mind, if I put the microphone around, I said, who's the scum of the earth to you? You might have somebody in mind. But you know what? God doesn't want us to have somebody in mind. He doesn't want us to think that my group's better than another group or my people are better than another people or my color's better than another color or my social status is better than another social status or my country's better than another country. Why is it quiet? This is the place it should have I know it's, I know it's deep. It's true. That as believers in Jesus Christ, if Jesus was here right now and he was speaking where I'm speaking, he'd be telling you, you're all the same. I died for all of you. The skin color's different, the culture's different, the food's different, but once you get saved, you can have your culture as long as the things inside your culture line up with the Word of God. Amen? So as far as I know, thank God, we can still eat Mexican food. <laughs> Praise God. Can I get an amen? Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Kenyan food and 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 uh, my mind just went blank. El Salvador pupusas from El Salvador. Woo! We should have a fellowship after this. But just imagine if everybody just made rice and beans, and we didn't have any culture. Embrace those things. Some people say, oh, "I don't see color." I know what you're trying to say. But at the same time, you should embrace that because it's part of culture. 
I don't see it in the aspect of I don't see it meet anybody different. But we should embrace people's cultures and embrace where they're from and embrace how they were raised and embrace what they learned. And it brings stuff to the table. And, and I would challenge you today as we close that in this church you start to go try to find somebody that's not like you, that you've never met before, that looks different, works at a different place, talks different, has a different background, a different country, and go get lunch together or go get coffee together and start to meet them and you'll be amazed at maybe how what your stereotypes are so wrong. Am I preaching right? Amen? This is what Jesus wants us to do. He wants us to preach to the whole world. As we bow our heads and close our eyes, you can listen to this story. We're going to pray. In the 50s, and I'll make this fast, there was a group of missionaries who went to Ecuador. There's a movie called Beyond the, Gr- the Gates of Splendor. And this is so cool because you realize, kind of like that, that hitchhiker going to Oklahoma City and, and just how you see how things tie together. They, they say that you're only one only removed from anybody in the world by five people. Do you know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody to anybody in the world? Anybody. And their story happened in the 50s where these missionaries went to Ecuador and these basically barbarians in Ecuador with spears and arrows killed the missionaries. They didn't say, hey, come teach us your culture. They got off the plane and they murdered them. Viciously. Like these Scythians I'm talking about. So they die, and some time goes on, and the widow of Bill Elliott goes back to Ecuador. You don't have to raise your hand, but how many would do that? She goes back as a woman to Ecuador to preach the gospel and take other people with her to minister to these people. And she encounters the person who killed her husband. I still can't remember his name because I talked to my friend between services. But I got a friend who's an old friend that's, that's not associated with our fellowship. He's an old friend that I met many years ago. And he was in Ecuador a few years ago doing missionary work. And he sat across and has pictures with the man who killed Bill Elliott. That's pretty cool. Bill Elliott's killer was, was saved because Bill Elliott's wife forgave him and witnessed to him. And today... There's churches there. His whole family saved. They're all serving God. Why? Because they said, you know what? We're going to get the gospel to the whole world one soul at a time. As your heads are bowed and eyes are closed this morning, do you need Jesus? Are you saved from hell? From eternal damnation with Satan and all his demons? That's your destination. That was my destination 30 years ago until Jesus changed my life. Have you put your faith in what the gospel is? That Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. He rose from the dead. And now, if you believe in Him, you can be saved. If you have not done that this morning, today's the day of your salvation. As eyes are closed and heads are bowed, would you just simply put your hand up and let me see your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me today? I need salvation. I see your hand. God bless you. I see your hand. God bless you. How many more? I see your hands. God bless you. How many more? This isn't about church membership. 
This isn't about being a good person. You're not good enough ever. None of us are. It's about believing that God came down from heaven and lived, you can put your hands down, thank you, and lived a perfect life and died as a sacrifice for us even though some of us would reject Him. Only God would do that. What love. And today, the, the biggest lie of the devil in a church service for an altar call is what Jada said earlier, I'm not good enough. Well, the truth is you're right. None of us are. And you never will be good enough. You'll never deserve salvation. You'll never deserve what Jesus did. But he said, I give it anyways. How many today, besides those that want to accept Christ for the first time, could say, you know what, I've, been, I've kind of been living a life, kind of been living a life where I've just been coming to church and checking the box and I, I realize today I, I'm, not, I'm not looking at the world through the lens that Jesus does. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand here. This is the second part of the call. I, I'm, I'm, if I'm honest, or maybe some people aren't, I'm racist. I'm prejudiced. I have a certain way I feel about certain people. And that is not God's will. Church, the reason our church is so mixed this morning is because we preach these kind of messages. It is not, cannot, and will not ever be okay to be a racist and be a believer in Jesus Christ. Ever. God loves everyone. Every color, every race, every person. His blood is red. And your blood is red. And his blood was shed for us. I want to ask you to stand to your feet this morning. And if you said that, if you, sorry, if you raised your hand and you meant it. Several hands went up. This is the moment where you're going to meet the man who died on the cross for your sins. He's going to come into your life. He's going to change you. But maybe you didn't raise your hand and you know something inside of you is telling you, if I died today, I would not make heaven my home. There's going to be a lot of people, listen closely to this, there's going to be a lot of people in heaven that you think shouldn't be there. And there might be some people in heaven that you, or hell that you think shouldn't be there. What gets us into heaven is belief in Jesus. Period. Next week I'm going to preach a message called Jesus plus nothing. The only, the Bible says he's the only mediator. Here's why. No other person, you can go to any religion, Buddha, Krishna, Muhammad, down the line, the hundreds of millions in India, whatever gods they are, no person has ever said, I died and came back to life. Nobody but Jesus. Nobody but Jesus. He's the only one. So he's the only one who has the right to say, I have the keys to the kingdom. And he says, listen, no matter what you've done, no matter what your background is, no matter who you are, I love you, and, I, and my sin is, my, my, sorry, my blood is for your sin. If you raised your hand, would you just step out, find that nearest aisle, and come down here. I want to pray for you. Just come, step out, come down all over this place. Come on. Hands went up. Let's go. Praise God. Come on. How many more? Maybe you didn't raise your hand. But you know, come on, let's, let's clap like we know God's doing something this morning. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Come on. How many more? Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you know you need to be here. How many more? 
Hallelujah. Church, when we... Amen. Come on. There's more coming. More coming. Amen. This real decision. Amen. God's working on hearts. When we get the revelation as a church of how we're supposed to look at this world, like a message like today, these altars will be full every single service of people getting saved. Every single service. Souls will be coming down. Because we're not going to look at this world the same way. We're going to look at it like Jesus looks at it. Amen? And God wants us to get to a place where we can say with authority and truth, because you can't lie to God, that you love everybody the same. You might be able to say it with your mouth, but God knows that you don't, everybody has some prejudice. Not on purpose. It creeps in from what people tell us. It creeps in from something we just heard. It creeps in from, from what someone said or what someone did. And we have to constantly fight that. Nope, I'm not going to look at that person that way. We're all the same. We're all equal. We're all sinners. That's what that verse says over and over again. They're all the same. And God wants to do something amazing in our lives. But the second part of this altar call is some of us need to repent for our prejudice. Some of us need to repent for our racism, for our thoughts of my social status is better than somebody else or, or my family's better than somebody else or my country's better than somebody else. It's okay to have pride in things. Don't get me wrong. But not when you look down on somebody else as less than you. We're all the same. Does it make sense today? We're all equal sinners and we all need a Savior we can't get to without Jesus. Let's say a prayer together. Those that are online, those that are listening to the podcast, just say this from your heart and, and you'll be saved. Lord Jesus, thank you for your love and your mercy that while I was still a sinner, you died for me. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you came to this earth and lived a perfect, sinless life. And I believe you died on the cross as a sacrifice for my sins. Jesus, I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that you rose from the dead. You defeated death and hell and the grave. And I believe that you are Lord and Savior. Please forgive me for all of my sins. Wash me clean from this day forward. And please write my name in the Lamb's book of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, the Bible says that angels are rejoicing and shouting in heaven right now. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.